With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Recently, it was revealed that baseball will be experimenting with some rule changes in the minor leagues this season. Among those, the bases will be a little larger at AAA in 2021, which means finally we'll be able to answer the age-old question whether three extra inches really helps you score. This oh my God. is the Selvius Godcast. I'm TJ Zuppi. He's Zach Meisel. You can find us on Twitter at TJ Zuppi, at Zach Meisel, at Selvius Godcast, and find us on Instagram at Selvius Godcast. What is up, Zach? This is why people want to pay for extra episodes, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Good Lord. <laughs> Welcome to the OnlyFans edition <laughs> of the Selvius Godcast. Uh, and maybe more on that in the coming weeks ahead. I know I, we keep teasing it, but uh, we do have something to reveal at some point. But enough about that. Let's talk about what we're really here to discuss. Some rule changes in the minor leagues, right? That's why we fired up this podcast today. No, I think I think people really want to hear us talk about roster battles. And I mean that seriously. People love that shit. No, it's fair because we actually have, uh, even though this is our second time getting together this week to talk Cleveland Indians baseball, we actually have some new developments on that front, which we can talk about. Uh, whether it's Billy Hamilton or Mike Freeman, what? <laughs> Leading a podcast with those two names? Well, those are the guys making news, but we've also referenced them in the past few episodes. So we have some, some more impress, uh, more uh, pressing matters, though, to get to. And that is perhaps a resolution on who is going to be the starting shortstop for the Cleveland Indians. Are we really getting close to naming a starter? Could we be? Yeah, so this is playing out exactly how we both have said for a while now. Um, I think we recognized once they announced the AAA season would be delayed. That helped Andre Semenez's case. And more than anything, they want a good defense. They, they, want, they know hitting is going to be a struggle at times. So you have to rely on your pitching and you need a good defense behind that pitching so that you're not making a three to two deficit, a four to two deficit, you know, when you're scratching and clawing for a run late in the game. So Terry Francona was asked, what's the most important thing you're looking for in a shortstop this spring? He said defense, being able to make all the routine plays. And then a couple days later, he was asked, what do you like about Andre Semenez? And he said, well, defensively, he makes all the routine plays. (laughs) That seems like a match, right? And (laughs) Yeah, and then Alad Rosario now starting to take fly balls in center field. Um, and he'll actually start in center in a B game Sunday morning against the Reds. So. Oh, I love that. When there's some reason <laughs> to head over to the backfields at 10, 11 o'clock in the morning, there's nothing better, right? There's just that that crisp spring Arizona air. Still some dew on the grass. <laughs> and, and those backfields can some, – some days – it is like you are going to lift 
off. It is so windy on those backfields, and it's always blowing straight in. It's the opposite of what you want in a baseball field. <laughs> so imagine some some poor youngster is out there trying to make an impact, and he hits one he thinks is going to be to the parking lot, and the wind gets a hold of it, and it's an easy pop fly to center field. I, there was one, I think it was a, a, a Lindor rehab and we were out there, and you, there were there were times there were people trying to take notes, and the the notes blew away. I put my pen down, my pen blew away. I, the, it was impossible, but it's still kind of fun. You know, it's just something different. And, and so all these moves are sort of intertwined because, look, Jimenez is probably going to be the opening day shortstop. Ahmed Rosario is probably going to be some sort of super sub guy. Um, and that basically fills your utility infielder spot, right? So Mike Freeman is quote-unquote traded to the Reds, but it's really basically just like a, hey, go walk down the street and tell them to send us back like some lunch. It's not even down the street. It's <laughs> You could just sneeze and hit the weight. I don't – still, we're not to the point where you could be sneezing out into the open. But, yeah, that was, that was a, a, a funny way of phrasing it. It reminded me of – if you play fantasy baseball or or hardball dynasty, and you have a good communication with another owner, and maybe you need something or he needs something, and you're always just kind of flipping players back and forth. That's what it was with the Indians and Reds. Yeah, so you can see how Rosario's probably headed for a utility spot. So obviously Freeman, he's even behind Yu Chang on the totem pole, so he gets sent elsewhere. So now it's a matter of does. Do, Free, do Rosario and Chang both fit on this roster? Maybe they do early in the season when you can carry an extra position player because you have all these off days, so they might not even carry five starters at the beginning. I mean, there's a lot, a lot of moving parts here, but we are sort of narrowing the focus. And, you know, getting rid of Freeman and, and Billy Hamilton, um, at least I think some people were relieved because they just figured that the Indians were going to carry every veteran non-roster invitee in camp. Yeah, that's what you want to do when you have a lot of guys that you want to find out something about younger players. You want to put as many veteran guys that have little to no ceiling in front of them as possible and make them jump over every hurdle. Uh, we've seen that before in the past, so that's why uh, in a past couple of episodes I have laid out some fears when they signed Billy Hamilton just about him standing in somebody's way, although he would be running really fast, I would imagine. But that's not an option now, and and that's good because there are a number of other players I would prefer to see, and I'm, I'm even somewhat relieved that it's happening earlier in camp. Uh, so you're not taking at-bats away from guys that that should be out there uh, trying to prove something. Uh, you know, it's it with the the Jimenez decision that I think is looming, and I, and I think you're 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 right there on on base in your evaluation of it. I. I'm glad that we're not discussing service time here, <laughs> that it's not something that is a permanent roadblock. It, it has to be a, a consideration, and we've talked about the reasons why service time manipulation from a team standpoint could make sense in, in this situation, but he's come into camp, he's played extremely well, he is clearing all of the, or, or checking every box for what, Tito has talked about they want in a starting shortstop because there is the 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 pause that is going to happen for players that are ticketed for AAA. Maybe you worry about that some. 
But this is also a situation here with this team. Maybe service time at shortstop, maintaining a full additional six years, isn't something you're as concerned about because the organization is so loaded at that position. Is it somebody that you want to have around that, that is pressing the the your desire to stick around beyond six or seven years? Is that the hope when you trade for a guy like that? Absolutely. But also with this team, because you do have so many younger players that could be knocking on the door in the next three or four years, you're probably not as concerned about that, right? I think that probably plays into the, some of the decision-making here, no? Yeah, it's it's weird because it's like, if this guy is the second coming, well, then you're probably going to try to lock him into a long-term deal in the next year or two, just to buy a year or two of free agency. Um, and if he's not, and he's just like a, a solid guy who you'd love to have maybe be your shortstop for the next five or six years, but like you, you're welcome to having competition for that job with Gabriel Arias or Tyler Freeman or eventually Brian Rocchio, then... Yeah, it's just like, okay, you can be our shortstop until you're not. And so, yeah, this is different. This is not like, you know, Francisco Lindor was the shortstop and you knew he was going to be the shortstop every moment he was in Cleveland and there was no one in the system who could even contend for that job. So, very different situation. And because of that, I don't think the service time thing is as critical. And the other thing is, look, if this guy struggles... At any point, not even just this year, but beyond, you send him down for a couple weeks, you're going to get that control anyway. So it's it's not as imperative. And I do think the season being delayed, it's different where normally you go to AAA and you bide your time and you keep hitting and you're playing in games and you're at least facing competition and you're in a, a competitive environment. This is so different where you're going to go to an alternate site for a month and you're going to just face the same pitchers every day, and they were the same pitchers, not in Jimenez's case, but for other guys who, you know, Bowers or Bradley, whoever doesn't win that first base job, and obviously Bowers is out of options, so, you know, but if one of them heads to the alternate site, like, you're facing the same pitchers you faced every single day for months on end last year. So there's not a ton to gain, um, and... I think that plays into it because you really, it's counterproductive to the, I know spring training, like the numbers aren't what matters, but it is like Jimenez has come in and just looked the part and you don't want to just say, okay, well, we're going to just completely halt your momentum here and make you just twiddle your thumbs for a month and then we'll bring you up and just throw you into the fire. Like that's not going to help anyone's development and it can screw up your whole season. So I think they... I think all teams are going to be a little more cautious, maybe, um, where it's it's not such a slam dunk where you're just like, okay, we got to send this guy down for the few first few weeks and then bring him up when the time is right. If you really wanted to get crazy, though, I mean, really wanted to go galaxy brain, we have seen younger players with very little or no track record sign extensions, and if you're wanting to travel down a, a road where you don't have to worry about service time, could you try to lock up Jimenez right now to some sort of long-term-ish contract? Because if you're doing it at this point in his career, you're probably going to come out on the other side feeling like it's an extremely team-friendly deal. Come on, follow mm -hmm. me down this crazy path. Maybe we'll make this a, a segment <laughs> that we do 
once a week where one of us can just come up with something extremely wild that we can claim is really crazy, so therefore don't judge us on this, but it's something we're actually considering. I texted you the other day. Why not just sign him to some sort of extension? Buy out the years now. I don't have to worry about service time. And I know you said, well, he's, what if he's not the shortstop of the future? Aren't you creating surplus value just by signing him to a long-term extension that you think is team-friendly? I mean, if you really believe in the guy. Now, if they don't, now you're not going to do it. But if you really do, if he's really impressed you, why yeah. not uh, see if he's open to some sort of extension right now? Then I don't have to worry about keeping that additional year of control. I've got them all in the palm of my hand. It's so stupid that this is like we have to consider these sorts of things. Like the the financial structure of the sport is so messed up. Um, We're not doing no, that. It... We're not doing that today. Stay away. <laughs> Back away. Why does Rob Manfred hate baseball? But I, I think it, it's interesting. It's like there's a gamble there, right? I mean, you're definitely taking a gamble, but you almost you have to do that if you're a team that operates the way that they do. And it's interesting. I mean. He had a, a solid year last year. He was 21. It was a pandemic season. It was shortened. I think he played like 49 games. And he was average offensively, and he was solid defensively. So it's like, I don't think this guy would be asking for the moon and the stars in a contract right now. Yeah, you probably could get a, a decent deal out of him. Um, right. I question... mean, you, you give him the more money up front. He gets the stability of knowing what he's going to make. And I think for, from a team standpoint, if you're looking at, at something that's going to hold value no matter what, unless this guy gets hurt because of the tools that he has, I can't see him ever being, a this early in his career, a negative value sort of player. That he's always going to have some sort of value, so why not just buy into that right now? So my question, you know, and this is why front offices hire Harvard and Yale grads, because um, you do you like a, <laughs> because you do the the cost analysis of okay if, if we wanted to do this right now what sort of terms would a contract have if we waited a year and he had this sort of season what would that contract look like if we waited a year and he had only an okay season what would that you know you have to you have to sort of just measure all the different possibilities but also you think about what this infield might look like in the future and I think my I think odds are Tyler Freeman is probably your second baseman starting next year at some point. Um, and, you know, he's... I mean, that's another kid who you'd probably want to lock, lock up because he's going to hit 320 for the next decade. Um, but, like, Gabriel Arias is an interesting one because he's a really good defender with a cannon for an arm. You know, does he wind up maybe at third base? Where's Nolan Jones in all of this? Right. It's like, you know, Jimenez, I don't, I don't know about you, but, like, I don't think he's going to put up huge offensive numbers. But he might be the best defensive shortstop of the bunch. So it's like, if he can hold down the shortstop job for four, five, six years, yeah, that, that's a great idea. If someone is going to claim it, you know, I don't know if it would be Arias or maybe Brian Rocchio in a few years. If someone just proves that they're better as a shortstop, offensively and maybe defensively, I don't know where else Jimenez would play. If he moves to Somewhere short else. or to third or second. But then is he... Is he still an above-average player at a different position? You know, at shortstop, well, this, it's a premium spot. Right. This comes he's down got a lot of value. This comes down to whether or not he's playing shortstop. If he's playing shortstop, based on what you think the tools are, I don't think he. I don't think you're going to sign a deal that you'll ever regret. 
if he's playing shortstop. If you truly trust his ability to do that, and thus far we've seen nothing that would make you doubt that, uh, perhaps he's only going to get better on the offensive side, and I don't think we're going to see a decline in range and skills defensively for a, a number of years because he is only what, 22 years old. So I don't think the downside is there. Now, it, it sounds crazy to even be discussing this with someone who hasn't even stepped foot on the field wearing a Cleveland uniform, but we have seen this in the past, and the Indians in, in, in years past have been at the forefront of thinking beyond what baseball teams typically do we've seen it a small handful of teams sign prospects to deals that enable them to come up sooner we've seen it in chicago we've seen it uh where where am i i'm I'm blanking oh philadelphia has done this before with with their prospects but when you're talking yeah. yeah when you're talking about a guy that is going to man the shortstop position i don't think there's a deal that you're going to sign that makes sense to you right now that would that would not be worth it because then if, if there is a time where you think somebody else is better suited for that position because of the, the, the wealth of talent that you have there, then you just trade him. That he's still going to have value elsewhere, especially if you're doing a deal somehow where you're attaching club options, you know, a couple of them on the, the back end of that. The question to me is, is Jimenez even wanting to do something like that? I, I don't know. We, we know nothing, really nothing about the young man, so... This is just yeah, me thinking wild galaxy brain again. I'm not opposed to it necessarily. I just, I mean, I do everything in your power to sign yeah. Shane Bieber to an extension mm-hmm. this spring, and then anything else that happens is a bonus. But I it also feels a little chew gum at the same time. It also feels a little bit just wrong to try <laughs> to, lock, to think to lock a shortstop up after you just traded the face of your franchise. <laughs> well, yeah, but but just to try to think of like, all right. This is the sort of. It almost feels like you're, you're, you're preying on the player because it's like, it's like yeah. hey, he's, he's like barely played. We think he's going to be good, but does he know how good he can be? And <laughs> but is he going to bet on himself? This is the structure of the sport. What are you supposed to be the I good know, guy while well, the twenty nine other teams say ha? That's a stupid go... ass sport. <laughs> what are you supposed to do? I mean, are you just going to go give? You and I could say go give more money to Jose Ramirez because he's worth it. But I mean, this is this is the thing. I, I, I don't know what you want until the structure is changed. This is what you have in front of you. So I'm just trying to think within the sandbox that they make you play in. What do you want? From I me? hear you. I hear you. I don't. I don't think this is likely or even. I'm not even saying that it's 100% something they should do. I'm just trying to think of ways. If you're thinking of ways that service time doesn't matter. This is one. And also just have a shit ton of shortstops in your system, and then you're not really worried about four years from now. You're just worried about this year, and you'll fill that spot with somebody else by the time that comes. So whatever. Hey, you, you think uh, the lineup that the Indians rolled out today is actually the opening day lineup? Oh. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I do. <laughs> well, okay, next simple. topic. All right. <laughs> And by the way, shout out to Mike Reed, who says, what time can we expect an emergency Selby is Godcast to be up? Right now. We're recording it right now. How much more immediate do you want? Podcast Inception. Podcastception. Uh, yeah, I think this is the lineup. I mean, I yeah, it's, I, I'm, I think the only thing that has changed from where we stood a month ago was Andres Jimenez being toward the top. Mm-hmm. Um, I well, don't know well, that, we... that that's the one thing I'm a little bit... Yeah. I don't know if I'm scratching my head about it, but like, 
I get it. You put him at the bottom of the lineup, then it's like, boy, six through nine is kind of rough. At least this way. Should we actually say what it is for those that aren't oh, staring yeah. at the lineup right now? Go ahead. Leading off is Roberto Perez. Wait, just kidding. Cesar Hernandez, Andres Jimenez, and Jose Ramirez in the top third, followed by Eddie Rosario, Fran Mil Reyes, and Josh Naylor, and then Jake Bowers, Roberto Perez, Oscar Mercado. Did I get that right? Because I'm not actually looking at the lineup. Yeah, and now that I'm thinking about it, like I don't think Naylor and Bowers will actually bat back-to-back because they're both lefties. Yeah, I and know, I'm, not, like, I'm not sure that Jake Bowers is in the opening day lineup. My, whoa. My, my larger point is the top two-thirds of this lineup look well, like... Well, I think eight and nine are correct. Yeah, but are you going to... Are you going to keep the two left-handers back-to-back? I mean, that's why I, I would probably have gone... I would go Hernandez, Ramirez, Rosario, Reyes, Naylor... Andres Jimenez hitting sixth seems weird. Yeah. I don't love him hitting second. I'll get out in front of that. I, I don't because, as we've talked about before, that's where you want your best hitter. Jose Ramirez is a switch hitter. You don't worry about platoons and all. He's, and I he need, fits I so need perfectly. Na- I don't, Naylor can't be hitting sixth because if this if the lineup is going to be worth a damn, you're going to get really good seasons from Reyes and Naylor. And so they need to sink or swim. They can't be hitting five and six. That's just... That's those are your power guys. Yeah, this is the same conversation they had about Jim Tomey and Manny Ramirez. I expect similar careers. <laughs> <laughs> How much of this is one a desire to lengthen the lineup? Which, if you put Jimenez in the two spot, that's what you're doing. Plays against the whole idea of getting your best guys the most plate appearances. Maybe it speaks to how much they love Jimenez. Maybe we're just whiffing on that. Uh, but how much is also just not putting the pressure of the cleanup spot on Franmil? It seems. I don't know if that's a thing or not, but it's to me it seems like Francona has almost gone out of his way to keep Franmil from hitting cleanup a lot. I never really thought about that. That 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 shouldn't matter. It should not, but it all. seems like a thing that ha- has happened. I don't know. That that's like it was cool when you were in like eighth grade and you're like, oh, I'm hitting cleanups today, and but now like, are you sure? Because we were both standing in a dugout where they shifted the lineup around and they told Francisco Lindor he was hitting cleanup one day and his chest like grew yeah. three sizes and he's puffing it out and I'm hitting cleanup today and started taking hacks like he was trying to hit home runs. Well, <laughs> so I think he had like just it's... woken up from a nap. <laughs> oh wait, no, that was game seven during the rain delay. Oh wow. Um, but no. Um, yeah. It's that's, still, I forgot about that. It still, I think means something to the players playing it. Maybe not all the players, but I think there's something psychological to it. Same thing with hitting leadoff. It shouldn't matter. You just go up there and do what you do, like the old Carlos Santana thing. Uh, you're going to gun base, so just go hit leadoff. But there was even a time when, remember the year before the Santana leadoff thing, he was moved up to second, mm-hmm. and then that, that ended up not working because Santana said he just wasn't comfortable there, and it took some time to grow into hitting in the the upper part of the lineup. You know what? I think you're onto something. Carlos Gonzalez hit cleanup and the next day he was released. <laughs> so it's cursed. I can understand if, yeah, it's, it's, there's a little bit of, it's, it's haunted. It's, it is cursed. It's a cursed spot. Rosario there. I mean, you're thinking you want your biggest power bat to go there. That's not your best overall hitter. If you're, if you're doing it by the book, Rosario, I don't, see, I don't like that power guy. Just put a guy 
in the leadoff spot who can get on base at a pretty decent clip. Okay, Cesar well, Hernandez. You, you, you've done that. Done. And then two through nine, just assemble it by your best hitters. <laughs> yeah. That, it's pretty simple. Whoa, whoa, Give me well, Ramirez second, Rosario third, Reyes fourth, Naylor fifth, and let's Studies go Studies say you should put your fifth best hitter in the third spot because he's going to hey. come up with nobody on base with two outs. and so This is a team that when, the, when Mike Freeman replaced Jose Ramirez, they just <laughs> put Freeman fifth in the lineup because that's where Jose Ramirez was hitting. So I don't know that they're subscribing to the whole – Put your fifth best hitter in the three spot and your best hitter in the two spot. They're so not on. robots, Zach. If you move a guy up a spot, he's going to be all out of whack. My God. I mean, this is – I say that, but this is also coming from the guy that if my coffee cup's not in the right spot in the morning, I'm, my whole day is screwed up. Like, where is it? <laughs> if I, I don't have tea in the sixth <laughs> inning, I'm a mess. Yes. I mean, this is something you have to, to consider. Um, it's part of the human element, and we say it shouldn't matter, and we rip on Francona about it, but sometimes there are things that do matter, and I don't know how much of that is quantifiable or how much it even really matters. And, well, no you know, matter we also, what they do. We also, sat, we also sat in a in a suite where I, I asked, <laughs> I think it was Antonetti, like, dude, don't we just put too much in the lineup? And he says, yep. <laughs> like it's, we're talking about fractions of runs over the entire season. But it matters, damn it. And it's all going to look better than the opening day, the spring opener lineup that had Billy Hamilton hitting first <laughs> at DH and everybody freaking out. And now here we are two weeks later and he's gone. He is gone. And Mike Freeman's gone. We're getting some small minor glimpses of what the opening day roster might look like, but we're still still a ways away. Were there any rule changes that were announced from the minor leagues that you liked or intrigued by or you just pissed off? I'm intrigued by the size increase of the bases. Yeah. Because I want to see what that looks like. Yeah. Like, like I'm picturing, I know they're only increasing them, what'd you say, three inches? Three inches, inches yeah. Um, imagine if they just had these comically enormous bases <laughs> on the field. And you're in the upper deck, and it's like all you can see is the bases. It's like Matt Ball. Did exactly. you ever play that? In yes. And it was, Matt Ball was great because you always, this was the sport where you had to run the bases the other way. At least that's the rules we played. And so anybody that was a baseball fan would always do the 45 feet down the wrong, like running the correct <laughs> way before they did the, oh, had to circle back around. And anybody that didn't follow sports could just follow the rules because they weren't used to what you were supposed to do. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I don't want to get into a huge hour-long debate about the shift because it's it's it signifies what is wrong with the sport the shift itself is like it's boring <laughs> nobody wants to talk like i don't whenever i see stats and like i understand it's important like you know you see a hitter who gets shifted on 80 percent of the time like that's it's notable jose ramirez came up to bat to start his first game in the 2019 season and the Twins had four outfielders and he basically shit himself. Like, what the hell is this? <laughs> and then spent months trying to figure out, well, how can I beat these different configurations? Um, so I get it. But, like, I'm curious to see what happens. You know, you're going to have to have four players on the infield, both feet in the dirt. Um, yeah, and... so it's not that you can't swing your infielders around. It's just they have to be... Not planted yet. in the infield. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, and that's I'm, happening at 
Double A. Double A. But then you, you would think that this eventually leads to, and I think Francisco Lindor said this in the Sports Illustrated article, jokingly referenced earlier, but um, he said he wants to see like two infielders on each side. And I'm, I, I'm curious, I'm willing to experiment with anything that might make the game less three true outcomes-y. Um, yeah. And I, I'm not like, I'm not team ban the shift because I, I think we shouldn't, try to stand in the way of teams trying to be smarter yeah however lindor made a good point which is like he's like i'd rather just stand on the proper side of second base and then like if i'm pretty certain a lefty's gonna pull the ball toward the second base hole and like like i'm excited to just like start my motion and sprint that way the second the ball is pitched yeah that could create some really cool plays well, and some highlights not baseball only that, needs more highlights not only that but we've seen more teams be okay with playing a lesser defender in the infield uh, mike Bustock is playing second base for instance mm-hmm. because you can shift them around and well maybe it makes a difference and you have to put a rangier player back at second base uh, yeah, that, that'll be interesting. Um, you know, I am team let's see it. Let's see it because there have been a number of things in the sport that I thought were pointless and were stupid, and it turns out I actually like. Like the four-pitch walk thing. I have completely come around on that, and I liked it. Right? I still like it. Uh, is, is it doing what it was intended to do, which was significantly reduce the time of game? No, of course not. We knew that at the time it was not going to make a drastic difference, but... Do I like it when they just put the four fingers up and the guy trots down to first base? You bet your ass it do. Like, let's cut that out. Let's just send mm-hmm. him down there. Uh, same thing with the the extra innings thing. You know, at the time you're like, what? They're putting a runner at second base? Well, it made it really freaking fun last year. Um, and I was actually really enjoying it. Um, it's not something I want to see happen in the playoffs, but to shorten those 18-inning ball games and perhaps keep a guy from losing his job because he has to get lost in the roster shuffle to the next day you know i'm okay with that so there's certain things where let's just see it you know let's let this play out and in the minor league setting they're not doing all of these things all in one place they're doing them separately in different places so let's see if making a pitcher step off the rubber before he throws over helps out stolen bases let's see if we can get the, make the game more exciting do i think that a that a lesser shift is going to lead to seven more hits in a game no i think maybe you get one or two um is that going to make a significant change? I don't know. So let's see it play out. Yeah, and I, I feel bad for the dual, the two-way player who has a really good year and just like soars through some team's minor league system and has to try to remember all the different rules at all the different <laughs> levels. Um, I, I like in the lower levels, I think they're really trying to limit pickoff attempts, which is probably the most boring thing that happens in a baseball game. Um, and they're trying Unless to... Unless it's Zach Plesak. Yeah, they're trying to cultivate um, a setting to increase stolen bases, which is an exciting thing that can happen in baseball. Um, I'm all for that. So, yeah, I'm with you. Let's let's see some of these changes. Let's try to make the sport have more action. I mean, Mark Shapiro has been saying this for like a decade now, where it's not the pace of play is not the issue; it's the pace of action. Yeah, it's that even in you can lower the the average game time from 3 minute 3 hours 10 minutes to 2 hours 55 minutes the, the the game being 15 minutes shorter is not going to you know make that light bulb go off in the heads of 100 million fans across the world to say oh now I'll watch 
it's that in those three hours, you need constant things happening. Yep. And there's just too much dead time with foul balls and pickoff attempts and pitching changes and batters stepping out to readjust their batting gloves and stuff like that. So I- I'm fine. And yeah. if you can get more singles and doubles and triples and stolen bases and maybe slightly fewer strikeouts and walks um, and even home runs, then I think that's going to be good for the game. Subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Google Stitcher, Spotify. That's where you'll find us on Twitter, at TJZoopy, at Zach Meisel, at Selby is Godcast. Any parting words? No. When are we going to do a random Indian of the day? What's uh, going on? We'll get back to that at some point. We've got all kinds of fun things in the works. Josh Judy. <laughs> Until next time, we're out of here. See ya. The Selby is Godcast, featuring Zach Meisel and TJ Zoopy, is presented by our supporters at Anchor. To help support the podcast, visit anchor.fm slash Godcast. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you like what you hear, we sure hope you do, be sure to leave us a five-star review. And if you have suggestions, drop us a DM on Twitter at Godcast. Thanks for listening.